Good morning and happy Wednesday. Thank you so much, Catherine and Lexi, for inviting us to worship in that way today. That was beautiful. My name is Ruth Fries, and I am here with our Academic Achievement Team and our Disability Awareness Committee. We are here this week continuing the, the chapel theme of identity and identity in culture. And specifically this week, we are choosing courage over comfort as we look at how that identity relates to the culture of disabilities. So if you were here Monday and Tuesday, you were blessed to hear Lee Burton and her son Kyle share a little bit of their story and challenge us to love like Jesus did. Well, today as we continue that theme, I have the privilege of recognizing some members of our own community that have modeled that for us already and who have lived out that challenge of choosing courage over comfort. At the beginning of October, we sent out a survey to our whole UNW community asking you to nominate someone, student, faculty, or staff member, whom you have witnessed being that friend of ADA. Someone who has not only been aware of this culture of our own disability, but who has acted on this challenge and loved like Jesus loved. Your responses were wonderful. You nominated 18 individuals whom you have noticed and have acted on making their courses, offices, events, schools, Bible studies, classrooms, etc. accessible to all. You describe these individuals as intelligent, empathetic, caring, ambitious, optimistic, diligent, compassionate, selfless, kind, understanding, consistent, on and on. And we would like to recognize these individuals who are working towards this accessibility and inclusion, work that really benefits all of us as a community. So nominees, if you are here today, when I call your name, and these are in no particular order, but would you please stand and stay standing until I read off all of the names, and then we will recognize these individuals all as a group. So, the individuals that you nominated this year for the Friend of AD Award are Brenna Erickson, Dr. Joanna Klein, Carol Steinbach, Barb LeClaire, Sam Cook, Anne Sorensen, Jessa Nelson, Deb Bender, Capria Diller, Kelsey Rothermo, Dr. Heather Peterson, Brianna Silvers, Caitlin Quirno, Denise Hoydal, Jeff Snyder, Dr. Gary Muma, and Jonathan Fla. Let's give these a, 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 a applause. Thank you to each of you for your work in this area. And of these nominations, the Disability Awareness Committee had the difficult decision of choosing one student and one faculty staff member to receive this year's Friend of ADA Award. This year's student winner is described as caring, driven, hardworking, Christ-centered, selfless, caring, and a passionate advocate. Those who nominated her said that she cares deeply about each and every person she meets. She loves being a light and is passionate about fighting for the rights of those with disabilities. She has raised awareness as well as expresses her love with working to help those who have a disability. I think she is the only person I know who cares so much about, being such, an, about such an important issue that we don't all talk about. Please join me in congratulating Brianna Silvers. Brianna, please come forward to receive your award. 
this year's faculty staff winner is described as caring, professional, knowledgeable, consistent, considerable, considerate, and competent. His work in making Joyful Noise a much more ADA-friendly festival has been so inspiring. He has made the festival more accommodating to the needs of others year after year. He goes above and beyond to make sure the needs of our ADA guests have been met. For example, he has made provisions for guests with disabilities to have a special safe area to worship at the festival each summer. He has made improvement each year for this event to serve the needs of the family members involved and developed a system to find lost vulnerable adults and address other potential risks in dealing with this delicate area. He has also worked for UNW events for many years, providing specialized seating where appropriate and coordinating interpreters for hearing impaired individuals. Please join me in honoring Sam Cook for his work for Friend of ADA this year. Sam, could you please come forward to receive your award? You are in for a very special treat today as two of your peers are willing to share their personal stories of identity and culture and choosing courage over comfort. I could tell you how wonderful they are in the ways that they live out this every day, but I don't want to give away any of their story as that is what they are going to share with you. Both of these individuals have hearts that love courageously and lives that live generously. So as our first speaker comes forward, please join me in welcoming both Rachel Elby and then Capriya Diller to share today. And please join me in praying for them today as we begin our chapel. Dear Lord, thank you for um, these friends who have blessed us here at Northwestern by choosing courage over comfort and the courage to share today. Lord, thank you for Rachel and Capria who are willing to open their hearts and share a part of their story. Bless them as they share and prepare our hearts for what you have for us today. Amen. Courage is a concept that we've heard a lot about, especially as Christians at a Christian college. We've heard about courage when talking to each other. We tell each other, hey, Pluck up and take courage, because God has this well in hand. Yeah, he does. But saying courage is easy is a lie. Courage is different than bravery. Bravery means diving into a situation headfirst with zero fear. Whereas courage means diving into that situation even though you're afraid. And that, to me, is way harder. It's especially hard when you have the lure of comfort that's distracting you from taking courage. Because comfort isn't always our friend. So first, who am I to talk about courage? What are my credentials, if you will? Well, I'm a student here at Northwestern, just like most of the rest of you. I'm a sophomore, so I've been here for a little over a year. And I am a studio art major. So I do a lot of drawing, a lot of sculpting, a lot of digital art. And I'll be doing some painting soon, and I love it. I am also a complete nerd, so anyone who wants to talk to me about Star Wars, the Clone Wars, Old Republic, thank you. 
I'm here for you. But what really gives me the right to speak about courage is a medical condition that I have called cystic fibrosis. For those of you that don't know what cystic fibrosis is, it's a genetic disease, so I was born with it. I'm not contagious, I'm not gonna spread my cooties to you guys. But it is very dangerous to me. It causes thick, sticky mucus to build up in the lungs, which causes difficulty breathing, a lot of coughing, and there are two things that are really dangerous for someone with cystic fibrosis to go through. One is getting a cold. That's not a great thing. Number two is getting a bacterial infection in our lungs. Those are very dangerous for someone with cystic fibrosis. Because my condition doesn't have a foolproof cure, it takes courage to live with a condition like cystic fibrosis. Courage to do treatments that are uncomfortable and annoying. Courage to take over 50 pills every day to manage the symptoms. These are hard. It's so much easier to take the route of comfort and say, eh, I don't need to do my therapies today, or oh, I, I can skip some pills, I'll, do the, I'll take them tomorrow. That's the lure of comfort, and that's what makes courage so difficult. The thing is, I'm not always the greatest at taking courage over comfort. This summer, God showed me why courage over comfort is so important. He took me on a wild ride. So story time. This summer, my family and I were planning the vacation of a lifetime. We were so excited. We had everything planned out. We were taking a cruise from Seattle to Alaska. Um, we were going to have excursions. We had our cabins planned out. We were looking forward to the food, the spa, the games. We were looking forward to the sights, the family time, everything. The whole family was going, including my grandmother, and I was over the moon to have this perfect vacation. And to top it all off, the famous Christian band, 10th Avenue North, was going to be there on the cruise ship, and we were going to be able to listen to their music live. I was so excited. And then things got a little bit crazy. Two days before we were planning to leave, I got a call from my doctor. My doctor looked at me and she told me, hey, congratulations, you have a new bacterium in your lungs, and it's causing an infection that needs to be treated quickly and aggressively. Darn. <laughs> I was in shock, to say the least. She said that I would need three weeks of oral antibiotics, three weeks of inhaled antibiotics, and three weeks of antibiotics that would go directly into my blood. And I wasn't looking forward to this. But my doctor gave me a silver lining. She said, you can still go on this, cr this cruise. It's okay, it's only a week long, and we'll treat you as soon as you're back but you have my blessing to take this vacation. Whew, okay. I was feeling a little more confident, even though infections are so dangerous to cystic fibrosis. I was feeling like, hey, I can do this. I, I got this, I got this. So at first, my courage held up, but not for long. When the next day, my two sisters got sick with a cold. That's the number two no-no for someone with cystic fibrosis. Getting a cold is really bad. And now, I had an infection in my lungs, I was being exposed to a cold, and we were leaving for a trip in a day where I would be stuck on a ship for a week with no medical care. And now, this trip that I've been looking forward to for so many months had turned into my worst nightmare. And I was terrified. So terrified 
that I decided I didn't want to go. I decided that I would rather stay in my room, door closed, germ-free environment where I could be safe and cozy and comfortable, trusting myself and not trusting God. That had become my version of comfort. Comfort for me was staying at home, and courage for me was going on this trip, backwards as that seems. But that's how I felt. So the night before we were planning to leave, I came to my family, and I said, I don't want to go. I actually voted against going on a cruise in favor of staying home. Isn't that crazy? But I did. Thankfully, I got outvoted. <laughs> my family sat me down and gave me a good talking to, and they told me how important it is to take courage, to trust in God, and to not abandon this beautiful gift that God was giving us. So we went, and guys, it was the most amazing trip ever. We went on excursions. We went on a hike through the woods with a, oh, no, that's the wrong picture. But those are the dinners. And the dinners, guys, the food, that was amazing. If you think the teppanyaki here at Northwestern is good, no, no. You have not experienced the cruise food. It's, it's so good. And then for the excursions, we'll see if the slides will, will uh, obey me. Yeah, there we go. Oh, no, it went. Come on, go back. Okay. We took a hike through forest, and that's a picture with me and my brother. We actually went dog sledding in Juneau with real Alaskan huskies, and it was incredible. We also went ziplining through rainforest in Ketchikan in the highest trees with rain drizzling down on my face, and it was so exhilarating. But more than that, 10th Avenue North. We were able to see 10th Avenue North live in concert, and guys, not only are they amazing singers and talented people, but they, the, the lead singer, Mike Donaghy, has a habit of breaking between each song and talking, lecturing. Do you guys want to know what he was talking about? Fear and taking courage and trusting God when you don't feel like it. And I remember sitting back in the stadium and I'm listening to this and I'm going, God, you win because God was telling me through this trip and through 10th Avenue North how important it was to trust him. So when we got back from the trip, I had a renewed sense of determination. I was going to treat this infection in my lungs. And now was the time to take courage. I had already gone through trying to take comfort. Now was the time for courage. So we treated it. I went to the hospital and I got something called a pick line. No fun. It's basically a fancy-dancy IV that goes in your arm, and it has a really long catheter that goes up almost to your heart. And it can deliver antibiotics over a long period of time. So we delivered the antibiotics. I was feeling really sick from those. Not only were we doing it throughout the day, we were doing it in the middle of the night, too. And that was hard. The antibiotics were making me feel nauseous. I was throwing up, I was shaking, I was cold. I wasn't a happy camper but I got through it because God gave me the courage. I got through it because God was faithful to me. And his faithfulness and my courage, it paid off. While the treatment only lasted for three weeks, the line itself stayed in for nearly two months while we waited eagerly to see if we had killed this bacterium in my lungs. And we did. got culture results back and there wasn't a trace of the infection and we removed the pick line and boy was I celebrating. 
I was one happy camper, to say the least. I was celebrating, not because of my own courage, but because of how faithful God had been to me throughout this entire journey. He was faithful to me at the very beginning, when I felt like I was going to take comfort over courage, even when I tried to deny this gift he was giving me, and even when I decided that trusting him wasn't necessary, he was faithful to me. He was faithful to me in the middle when he was teaching me lessons about courage and when I was worshiping him through song with 10th Avenue North. He was faithful to me at the very end through the treatment of the infection when it was uncomfortable, when it was hard, when I was scared. He was whispering in my ear saying, it's okay, you can do this, I love you. Guys, you don't need a disability to show courage. You don't even need a so-called remarkable story and you definitely don't need to be like me and to contract a weird disease and be afraid of cruising for a month. I don't recommend that. All you need to do is be human. And being a student here at UNW helps. By being a student here, you take courage over comfort every day by showing kindness to someone who needs it. It's awkward and uncomfortable, but you do it. You take courage over comfort by doing your homework when you'd rather be scrolling through Instagram and Snapchat. You take courage over comfort by going to your classes even when that bed is so warm and inviting. <laughs> you take courage over comfort by coming to chapel like you are today and listening to me babble on for 15 minutes about courage. Guys, courage isn't just something that we do as humans because. Courage is something that God calls us to do. In Joshua chapter 1, when the Israelites were preparing to enter the promised land, they knew that there would be enemies on the other side waiting for them. And God addressed the people, and he said to them, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So wherever you go today, and wherever you go at, during your whole time at Northwestern, know that God is giving you the courage to do it. God is allowing you to be strong. This summer, God taught me how important it is to take courage over comfort, and I believe he can teach you too. Thank you. Hi, Miranda. <laughs> okay, we're going to give her another round of applause because that was amazing. <laughs> Hello, all. <laughs> My name is Capriya Latife Delaire, and I'm a senior communications major, intercultural studies minor. God willing, I will graduate in May of 2020. <laughs> I'm in my fourth year here at UNW, and oh boy, have these buildings seen different sides of me. I am um, not the same person that I was freshman year, and I'm really glad they didn't use my ID picture. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I have many titles. I am a barista at the Heritage Cafe, and I've probably made your iced vanilla latte more than once. I'm serving as force vice president of seasonal events and public, <laughs> public relations director for The Remnant this year. Aside from student leaders, titles. I have, <laughs> I have titles that I hold near and dear to my heart, such as granddaughter, daughter, sister, two brothers and sisters that some came with blood and others God blessed me with along the way, many of which I didn't know until I came here. I'm a niece and I'm a cousin, I'm a friend and I'm a best friend. 
These are titles that I wear on my heart and on my sleeve, and they tell my story. My story. I was raised in Hermantown, Minnesota, and if you know where that is, you either went to my high school or hate me because I like basketball more than hockey. <laughs> Most people don't know where that is, so I always say that I'm from Duluth. So let me introduce you. Hermantown, Minnesota is a small 10-mile radius town practically on top of Duluth. It's about three hours north. Um, we're just country enough <laughs> to have three country radio stations and just city enough to have a quick trip on every street corner. For fun in high school, my friends and I would go to those quick trips. Gas stations. <laughs> in Hermantown, Minnesota, I was raised by my mom, my grandma, and my aunties. Um, I graduated from the same high school that my mom did and my grandma did before her, so our roots run deep. I was raised by strong, independent women to be a strong, independent woman. But sometimes I'm not. One thing that sets me apart from a lot of you is that I didn't grow up Christian. Uh, my mom was raised Catholic, but I didn't grow up in the church. <laughs> the first time I remember hearing about Jesus, I was in the fifth grade, and a boy named Caleb, who always got pepperoni pizza, suddenly didn't get pepperoni pizza. And I asked him why, and he said, my mom said I had to give up pepperoni pizza for Lent because Jesus said so. <laughs> and with that, I said, bye, Christianity. <laughs> But before anybody tells the doc on me, I, be <laughs> I became a Christian for, the, for real, for real, when I was a junior in high school. So coming here, total culture shock. Um, and one of the hardest parts was that everybody else seemed to have a leg up. When I took Progress of Redemption with Dr. Susan Payne, bless that woman, love her, um, I remember feeling completely in over my head. And side note, you have no idea how strange it is to be the only one that didn't grow up Christian in a class full of students singing the VeggieTales theme song. <laughs> I remember looking around and thinking, what kind of cult did I join? <laughs> All jokes aside, <laughs> I remember trying to make it look like I knew what I was doing. I wanted it to look like I had a clue what was going on. And the fact that I didn't, didn't make the voices in my head very happy with me. In a lot of ways, I'm my biggest enemy, but I have to actively try to remember who the real enemy is. Some pieces of my story that have been part of my identity in the past bring me to be able to speak in front of you all today. <laughs> when I was in the sixth grade at age 12, I was given my first official diagnosis. Uh, though I was <laughs> feeling symptoms of the other two around the same time, the last one I wasn't given until I came here. I'm here today because I have panic disorder, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and seasonal affective disorder. I've felt the weight of these for a little under half of my life. But I want to go back to the second word of that statement, half. I have these disorders, and I say that intentionally with the use of the word have versus am, because although they can become all-encompassing, I am not my disorders. Thank you. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes of all time was said by Cassandra Clare, the author of a little-known young adult book called Clockwork Angel. It goes, one must always be careful of books, for words have the power to change us. And I believe that. <laughs> when we take the words that have been placed in our head and release them into the world around us, they resonate somewhere. We can give those words the power to hurt or heal. We can give them to lift up or destroy. Take, for instance, the word trigger. 
A lot of people use the word trigger as a state of being overdramatic, i.e., oh my gosh, I'm so triggered. However, I use it in the clinical sense of something occurring that causes a re chemical reaction in my body. A lot of my triggers are unidentified, but a lot of them are and cannot be easily comprehended by the neurotypical masses. My illness is easy to hide, and so it's hard to break those chains. But words have power. <laughs> These words are intentionally picked because healing has to be intentional, and my diagnoses are not my definition. My word choice comes from a place of growth. My word choice is my verbal representation that there will be a light at the end of the tunnel despite the days when I don't feel like there is. One of the hardest parts was when everything started getting heavier and everyone around me had an explanation when I didn't. You're just not praying hard enough. Have you read your Bible lately? God will provide you energy. Medication is a lack of faith that God will fix you. Fix me. It's not that simple. And quite frankly, it sent me into a spiritual crisis. I mean, why would I need to look in the Bible when a lot of who I am can be found in the DSM-5? But that's the kicker that broke down my identity with my diagnosis. There's a line where my symptoms stop and I begin. <laughs> I'm not my diagnoses. I'm, my, I'm a child of God. And <laughs> I mean, I'm not a composition of struggles, but a declaration of victory over those struggles. God has a way of bringing all of these things back to his glory. And he does so by using my mental illness to empower others. Having experienced what being without hope feels like, I can empathize with those who are experiencing hopelessness. Having lived through survival mode, I can spot it from a mile away. Sometimes I get to use my experiences to uplift those around me. And in all honesty, if me doing this for the last 10 years is only because of one person helped by it, then it was worth it. I'm not the only one that struggles with these. A lot of people experience these symptoms and most people do it in silence. So, if you're one of the ones out there that is doing it in silence, listen, <laughs> there is hope at the end of the tunnel. I know because I'm here. <laughs> I, I didn't think that I would make it this far. I really didn't, honestly. If you would have told me in my junior year of high school when I hadn't showered for, th for three weeks and I couldn't get up for classes, I had somebody helping me wake up. If you would have told me that I would be here on this stage, alive, speaking in front of you all, I wouldn't have believed you. There's hope at the end of the tunnel. Lean into the support systems around you. There are people on this campus who see you and who hear you and who want to see you thrive. And lastly, know that you're not alone. Because once you get out of that tunnel, you realize why you fought so hard. Thank you.